You're listening to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast with Nola Heal. Welcome to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nola Heal. Today, I'm excited to welcome Amanda Hall, the founder and CEO of Summit Nanotech, a company developing lithium extraction technology for the growing lithium ion battery sector. Amanda is a professional geophysicist with degrees from the University of Toronto and the University of Calgary and 15 years of experience in the oil and gas and mining sectors. Amanda is passionate about growing a human-centric company, employing innovative, resourceful people who feel responsible for rapidly creating the change that is needed in our energy landscape today using wisdom, technology and adaptive solutions. We're in for a treat, learning about nanotechnology, something that is not a specific technology and not limited to a specific industry or application. It's used to manipulate structures at a molecular level. Amanda is focused on developing solutions for our transition to clean energy, and I believe is in the process of starting pilot sites, planning to perfect her innovation. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Nola. To get us started, I wonder if you would give us a little bit of background beyond the bio. What brought you to moving into nanotechnology and the lithium application? Uh, yeah, so I came from the resource extraction field uh, originally. So I was I was in oil and gas and I was in potash mining. And I actually started off my career in environmental geophysics. So lots of interesting um, field experience and hands-on experience underground, above ground, um, and using remote sensing technologies to see what goes on under the earth. Uh, I've always been a steward of the earth, wanting to take care of it and understand it better. And physics was a really good place to start because physics is the foundational building block of all other sciences. So it's important if you can, if you can master physics, you can pretty much understand any of the sciences. Uh, so that was a good place for me to start, the physics of the earth. Um, and then from there, uh, I also have a biology degree, which only comes into play because the invention um, that we we started working with to extract lithium from uh, brine water was based on biological processes. So we, we used some biomimicry in the, in the invention itself. So that's just where my biology background comes into play, but pretty broad breadth of sciences in my background. Um, I've always just been drawn to the sciences, uh, not so much history or languages or or finance or accounting or anything like that. I was just I was telling Nola earlier that um, accounting um, eludes me. I don't understand it very well. So, but science has always came easy to me. Um, yeah. So you know, just with all of that experience and knowledge that I gained over the years, I decided to start my own company and look at ways to improve resource extraction, not just lithium, but any metal or mineral. So ways to improve resource extraction using the most cutting edge technology. And that's where the nanotechnology comes into play. And it really is just a tool. It's a tool that we use to do the extraction process. So I wouldn't say I have a nanotechnology company. I would say I have a resource extraction company that uses nanotechnology. That's absolutely fantastic. So in the process, you must actually be learning quite a lot about nanotechnology, which I would think is probably quite exciting being on the leading edge, if not the bleeding edge of some of the things that you're doing. That's pretty awesome. So you mentioned brine. Um, now, 
if I'm correct, I think there are three ways that lithium is mined, hard rock, underground uh, reservoirs, and geothermal. So is your application specifically for the reservoir? Uh, not exactly. And you missed one, actually. There's a sedimentary lithium deposit as well that we can access from. So there's there's now, um, I guess you would say four, but geothermal and underground reservoirs or salars are really the same thing. Um, yeah, so you, you do kind of mix it. So there's hard rock, there's sedimentary clays, and then there's brine. And the brine can come warm or it can come cold. So that's where the geothermal comes into Fantastic. play. Fantastic. Okay. Now, I, I seem to understand that the brine is potentially the least environmentally friendly because of the use of uh, water and land. Is that correct? And how does Summit's technology actually improve on that aspect? Because I do understand you're trying to be increasingly environmentally friendly with your, your application. Yeah, um, so that's not exactly true. Hard rock mining is worse for the environment than brine awesome. mining. Um, and it's because, you know, you have to strip mine the earth, um, grind up rocks, add acid, dissolve. Like it's, it's a very greenhouse gas intensive process. And the amount of lithium in the rock is very low. So you end up with a lot of waste, um, hard rock waste, and a very expensive process, too, to get the lithium out of the hard rocks. So brine is actually, um, it is the lowest hanging fruit in the lithium world. It's the easiest to access. Uh, but it's still not, the, the traditional process isn't fantastic. We release, I think, eight tons of CO2 on average, industrially for every ton of lithium that's produced so eight times which is a lot but that includes hard rock mining and brine all mixed together so if you look at just the brine um, it's closer to three or four tons of co2 per ton of lithium produced so it's about half of what a hard rock mine would do um, but our goal as a sustainable extraction company is to to get that down to less than two so one and a half is our target um, our target CO2 emission rate per ton of lithium produced. Um, and that would be, and that's something that we can do at the lab scale right now, but we're, we're building a pilot to go out and prove that we can do it in the field oh, as well. Fantastic. So, so you're building the pilot. Um, where do you plan to install and test it? The plan right now is to go to Chile. That's our number one target market. Yeah, so, but COVID is throwing um, all sorts, all sorts of monkey wrenches into these plans, unfortunately. So, so it's a bit challenging. Um, Nevada is another place that we're targeted to go. But again, with COVID, it's just, it's a challenge to get everything in place and, and to really know where we're going to land. Our, our third option is to stay in, in Canada and just use some processed brine from oil field operations, clean out the hydrocarbons and work with this really, um, it's, it's suboptimal, it's low concentration lithium, it's about 10 times less lithium in Alberta brines than we would see in South American brines. Um, and so it's it's just a lot more expensive to process it. So, but you know, if, if, our, um, if our piloting plans in South America and the US don't 
don't um, come through, then we would stay in Canada and do it so in our own backyard. Well, hopefully only an, an intermediary step. Let's get you to Chile because uh, that is also where I understand there really are large reserves that you could potentially work with a partner and explore there. Would you plan at the moment, obviously it's a, it's a pilot plant, but would your plan, plan be to own your equipment or would you be installing and partnering with the clients? No, we own and operate our own technology and our own modules. Um, and our, the, the mining companies are our customers. So they would pay us a processing fee and then we give them the lithium back. It belongs to them. It doesn't belong to us. So we're a service, we're a hardware as a service company. Oh, awesome. Well, I am hearing of a lot more of these applications coming out of Canada at the moment. I, um, a couple of years ago, was involved with power as a service in a similar way, owning the equipment and, and supplying the power back. So really great to hear that our Canadians are exploring more of these uh service-oriented but hardware applications. Fantastic. So, in growing Summit Nanotech, um, what growth hurdles have you encountered and had to overcome to this point? Uh, well, it's it's such a brand new sector, really. Like, yeah, what we're doing is called direct lithium extraction, and nobody has done this commercially yet. Um, but there's a handful of companies that are all just piloting in the piloting stage right now. Uh, so the hurdles we're overcoming is scaling the technology, making sure that what we can produce at a lab scale or even at a small scale can be scaled up to an industrial scale um, production facility. Uh, and that's that's the biggest hurdle because, you know, mine operators, they're used to doing things the way they've always been done. And it's although the, the yield is low and the cost is high, they can rely on it because it's it's something they've they've used for 30 years. So when you walk in with a new technology and you say, trust us, this will work. Um, it's, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not that easy. So they, they suffer from path dependency. They want to stay on the same path, but as a new technology provider, we suffer from the illusion that our technology will be easily adopted. And that's not always the case. So we're trying to build that um, de-risking process into our business model and into our technology deployment so that, we take away the risk of the miner um, from for using our technology. So that is why we don't charge them capital costs. We only charge them an operating cost. So they only pay us if we provide product for them. If we don't provide them any product, they don't pay us. So it takes away the risk of trying new technology. And then we slowly scale up our production rate with them. So they get to see it working first and they get to trust us and see how reliable the process is. And then eventually they can add modules to their, produ their production facility and slowly increase their own production as we bring new modules to the field. So it allows us both to grow organically together and de-risk as much as possible while we do it. Certainly makes a lot of sense and probably makes it more palatable to them. In a way, almost a good application for the environmental side, improving their production, their, their company as a whole, because they get credibility through using a startup company that can be more fleet of foot and, and, and agile, able to develop these things 
but at least get the credit for trying to improve their technology. But it's got to be a hard road convincing some of the well-established miners that that can be done. Yeah, fortunately, the governments are making that more um, more possible for us by setting new regulations and and you know by by us bringing our technology out to the world and saying this method exists. The governments are looking at what's always been done and saying that's not good enough anymore. So they're setting new regulations and new standards of production that companies have to meet, bringing down your ESG footprint, so your environmental social governance footprint, working with the Indigenous communities, not using as much fresh water, not creating as much greenhouse gas emission. Like Those are all things the governments are implementing and imposing on um, mining companies. And so it's in their best interest to then adopt new technologies and and try them to bring down their own, the metrics of their sustainability per ton of lithium produced. Awesome. Yeah, certainly open the blinkers a little and uh, you have the potential to grow pretty rapidly once you can uh, prove the, Mm -hmm. the technology. That is absolutely fantastic. So what trends do you see impacting uh, your company industry and and clients over the next, let's say, three to five years, since I would think this would move pretty quickly. Yeah, the demand for lithium is growing exponentially. Like in the next 10 years, they think it's going to go up, goodness, six times, six or five or six times. So yeah, so the next three to five years, there's going to be a real push for more battery metals. So not just lithium, but um, all the other battery metals too, nickel, cobalt, um, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch. So what we have to keep an eye on as a, as a resource provider um, is what kind of batteries are the most, um, are growing the fastest. And then we have to make sure the product we produce can feed into that as a precursor to the battery manufacturer. So there's, there's different kinds of lithium we could make and the, the batteries that are being pushed forward. So like Tesla uses a different battery than say Porsche does. Um, and because of that, they use a different lithium precursor. So we have to make sure we really understand the market um, and, and understand where that market trend is going for each of those different types of batteries. There's also like the pharmaceutical market for lithium and there's, uh, you know, it goes into greases and lubricants, but those, those industries aren't growing as rapidly as the electric vehicle sector. So that's really the, the, the leading edge of, of the growth trajectory and what we need to keep Fantastic. an eye on. Fantastic. Really interesting. I mean, it sounds like the future oil and gas where we don't even realize how many applications <laughs> there are for oil and gas. And here we're learning that lithium is the future. It has has an awful lot of applications as well and probably a growing number as we move forward and people discover new ways of using all of those minerals that are going into the batteries at the moment. So, Yeah, battery technologies are changing rapidly and they're getting better and better, which is why electric vehicles can go farther and the charge lasts longer. And, you know, the innovation in battery technology is just phenomenal. So, but from what I understand, following this marketplace, all batteries that are transportable have to have lithium in them because it's the lightest, most energy dense element that carries the highest bang for its buck. And that's what goes into any transportable battery. So for electronics, electric vehicles or portable devices, it's always good going market to be, to be in. Very good one for you to develop a company and, and, and target. <laughs> Congratulations on that. So um, if one were to look at what worries and excites you about the future of the industry, are there aspects that, that worry and excite you? 
Yeah, um, I feel a huge responsibility to do this right. Uh, you know, like learn from our mistakes of the past. Look at the way we scaled uh, industries and sectors before and what problems we had and then not repeat those mistakes. So like I want to see the growth of the mining and electric vehicle um, markets. I want to see it done well and responsibly and sustain sustainably. And so I have a huge fear that as lithium demand grows, mining practices just get out of hand and grow same at the same rate. And we end up with a big problem, like a big mess to clean up in the future. So we have way too much waste. And again, like it's, it ends up being like everything we didn't like about the oil and gas sector would turn into the same problems in the, the battery mining sector. So we just have to be really responsible and really careful that we don't repeat those oh, mistakes. Absolutely. So your pilot plant that you are moving, once you're able to move, at what rate of production do you plan to produce initially? It's very small, the pilot plant. It's only one, one meter cubed a day, so a thousand liters so it, it and it's really just uh, it's an instrument to learn. It goes out into the field. It's like our little droid, but it's a forty foot sea container, so it's not little at all. But it goes out to the field and it learns about the situate uh, the situational dynamics of of the environment that we'll be in. So what are the temperature variations, the the wind variations, the underground variations? You know, like what's happening to the reservoir under the ground as we pull on it? You know, how is it changing? What did, how big is it? What does it look like? Um, you know, what else is coming out of the ground that we're not expecting? So all sorts of things we need to learn when we're in the field. So that's what the pilot unit is for. And we're, our plan is to go to many different locations to show, to show two things. One, that we can, um, that we can operate in all these different environments, whether it's minus 40 in Calgary or, or plus 40 in the desert in Chile. Um, we need to have a, a technology that can survive in both of those um, locations. And then the other thing is to show the broad, um, the broad range of brines that we can process. So like you asked me earlier, if we can do geothermal brines, we can do cold brines, hot brines, we can even take clay and dissolve it and run that through our process. So, um, so there's lots of different, there's a broad um, variable Feed salute, feedstock that we can bring into our technology and then produce the same end product every time. So that's the that's the other goal of the pilot, just to show reliability. That is really exciting. And and in the process, I, I think I understood that in some of these areas, um, there's a concern that as the, the lithium is produced or in the in the brine, that the fresh water is replacing those brines. So it gives you opportunities to explore all kinds of things out at alongside your actual production of the lithium. So. Yeah, and this is, this is where our Canadian, the world needs more Canada, right? Because we do resource extraction really well in Canada. We pay attention to the underground reservoirs, to the hydrogeology. We, we track um, pressures and, and, you know, seismicity, induced seismicity. We really do a really good job of our resource extraction here. So I'm able to take all of that knowledge with me when I leave Canada and, and go into other countries. So one of the things that's happening down in South America is they're just learning about, not that they've not done it before, but they have, but they're learning about um, injection wells and, and hydrogeological changes that happen underground. And so like they've always just pulled lithium out of their brine reservoirs and, and then the waste goes on the surface of the earth. But what 
we're proposing is that we re-inject and keep that underground reservoir charged with pressure to maintain that underground, um, the health of the underground reservoir. And then it doesn't impact your water tables because that's, that's, the, that's what's been happening over the last couple of decades as they pull the brine out of the ground, the water tables are shifting too, and it's impacting, you know, indigenous communities' ability to have fresh drinking water. And uh, anyway, so we're trying to bring like that healthy, holistic approach to um, to resource extraction to areas like South America and and the U.S. too. Like, not that they haven't done it as well, but we're we're bringing that intelligence with us when we when we operate, making sure that it's a really holistic view of the entire resource extraction from cradle to crate, and then keeping the future in mind too and what, what, what we need to do to maintain a healthy environment in the future. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, that really is an opportunity to, to take the Canadian know-how and benefit them as, at the same time as, as learning. Oh, yeah, that, that's exceedingly exciting. Well, well <laughs> done. So do you have any thoughts that you'd like to leave us with? I'm sure we could carry on chatting about this this really exciting technology all day. Yeah. Um, when I was just, I was preparing for this interview, thinking about what thoughts I wanted to leave, and it really is just the the notion that um, that you can do anything. Um, so as an entrepreneur, when I started this company, you know, my my experience led me to a point when I, where I felt as though I was ready to start my own company. I had enough knowledge, I had enough confidence, and uh, and I had enough just gumption, yeah, the gumption to do something like this. Um, you know, and I'm a single mom, so it's not like this was an easy decision for me. It was a high-risk decision. But I, I, I did enough research to understand um, what the market trends were, what, what I was good at, and then I just took a leap of faith and landed in a sector that I knew I could make an impact in. And so, like, I think what the message I want to leave for your listeners is just to not box yourself into a specific um, area or a specific career even, but to look at what you love, what you're good at, what you feel passionate about, what you feel responsible for, and just launch yourself in that direction. And and then just let everything unfold as it goes. So, um, you know, it's it's just life is short, so we need to take these risks and make these things happen. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you very much for, for that. That really is inspiring. So how can uh, listeners contact you or reach out to learn more about Summit Nanotechnology if they're interested in the company and services? Um, yeah, our website is, it's not very good. So I, unfortunately, like I would say, come to our website, but our website was elusive on purpose. We didn't want our competition to know what we were working on. So we kept it very vague. But the number of times people have said to me, I went to your website, I have no idea what you do. <laughs> so we're just in the process of, of um, revamping it. So we have uh, a marketing expert helping us put together a brand new website. So if you go to the website today, you won't learn anything. But if you wait a month <laughs> and go to the website, you'll see a kind of a whole new base of what, and we'll go deeper into what we do, why we do it, how we do it, what's important to Summit, what our culture is, what our standards of operation are. Like those are the types of things we're going to build into our website. Um, but apart from that, just uh, reach out through LinkedIn or, or our info at summitnanotech.com email address that, you know, it's, there's a link on our website too. And that goes directly into my inbox. So I, I'm quick to respond to those too. So Awesome. 
No, yeah. we will do. And I'll link that up in the show notes as well for anyone that happens to be listening on the fly or in a car or somewhere where they can't make a note. We will link it up so that people can get back to those links when, they, when they, they're interested. Uh, so thank you very much, Amanda. Thanks for joining us today and for a very brief glimpse into this exciting technology that you are working in. I, for one, will certainly be going to try and learn a little more about what you're doing and certainly following Summit Nanotech as you move forward. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Nola. Have a great day. The Unlocking Business Growth Podcast is sponsored by Protea Consulting Professional Corporation. We help our clients achieve the business growth and success they are capable of. They innovate and strategically anticipate, fine-tune their highest impact business variables, and regularly exceed aggressive growth and cash flow targets. If you would like to know more, here are four ways you can help energize your business growth. Number one, subscribe to the Unlocking Business Growth podcast to hear from other companies that have overcome growth hurdles they have experienced. Hit the subscribe button in your podcast app right now or go to proteaconsulting.ca slash podcast. Number two, get your free copy of NOLA's latest book, The 5F Strategy, Bottom Line Growth in Any Economy Without Additional Sales and Marketing to discover her proven strategies for growth. Go to proteaconsulting.ca slash book. Number three, download a copy of the Financial Growth Scorecard to assess your current status and what to work on next on your growth journey. Go to proteaconsulting.ca slash growth. Number four, work with us to achieve the growth and success your company is truly capable of. To find out if we're a fit, email nola at info at proteaconsulting.ca or send us a note on the website at proteaconsulting.ca slash contact.